Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the first episode of Brewing and Distilling. My name is Jake and today we are going to be going over the general outline of the process of distillation. I wanted to do this episode first of all just so everyone's on the same page. I found when I got started in this even though I now do this professionally I started with material I found online so I learned to distill mostly by browsing um, the subreddit and browsing um, home distiller and actively practicing I was a brewer at this stage primarily so I at least had a grasp on the first bit what I found though was that it was all a little bit overwhelming you know there was lots of information out there and a lot of it is in threads which can be 20 pages deep and like a decade old it's really and and you're often people refer to different things so they will refer to so-and-so's post or so-and-so's process or so-and-so's recipe on the forum and it might be on page four of a 20 page thread and it's not immediately obvious or easy to find and people use a lot of terminology they talk about double distillation triple distillation reflux things like this which just confuse the issue and aren't that helpful to someone who are tr who's trying to get to grips with the fundamentals first of all and that's what we're going to do we're going to get to grips with the fundamentals first of all i want this to be really accessible we will be going very in depth in the later episodes so i just want to start off with a good generalistic overview of the process as a whole and so basically what i want to do is go through a worked example or not necessarily a worked example but the general process for making a spirit the example i'll use will be for what we call a self-flavored spirit self-flavored spirit is a spirit which maintains the character and flavor of the materials that went into it this this is things like whiskey rum brandy anything that maintains that flavor unlike something like vodka which is distilled to a point where you can no longer really taste what went into making it unless they did it terribly wrong so that that is what we're going to go through here and we will then perhaps talk roughly about what happens with neutral spirits but the principle is quite similar now the most important thing to remember and the most important starting point with this is to remember that distillation itself is a separation process we're not creating anything we're not adding anything we are simply concentrating so we have a liquid and we have vapor we boil the liquid to create the vapor and when you do so you leave certain things behind so you may be asking if distillation doesn't create anything then where does the alcohol come from well, the alcohol comes from the first stage and that is the brewing part and the brewing part I feel in the home distilling community doesn't get enough attention so we create the alcohol by brewing through fermentation so we take sugars we add yeast and the yeast metabolize the sugars into ethanol alcohol carbon dioxide and a range of other 
various byproducts and flavor components. So that, that's how we get our alcohol. Now, this, I, I, I said earlier that the yeast metabolized sugar, and that's true. Uh, but the sugar may not be the sugar that you're thinking of, um, you know, when you think of sugar from a packet, which is sucrose, um, granulated sugar. Yeast can metabolize that, and you can use it to make spirits. However, a lot of the time it doesn't come from these simple sugars. So in the case of whiskey, we get our sugar from grain. Now, grain doesn't contain simple sugars, but it does contain starch, which is a complex carbohydrate. All that needs is to be broken down. So you, you've got basically these, it, what are in effect just really long-chain sugars. The, the yeast, is it, they're too complex for the yeast to basically eat. Um, so we break that down and that, that is brewing and that is that is what happens when you brew beer. You are breaking down complex carbohydrates, you're breaking down these starches into sugars. Simple sugars, small chain sugars that the yeast can metabolize. And the same thing applies to actually any source of starch. So in brewing beer we normally use barley but in distilling we may also use uh, maize or corn as you tend to call it in the US or we could use rice or or wheat there's lots of different sources um, also famously potato though potato isn't actually used that much it's not a staple for making vodka um, but you can do because it is a source of starch you can make out of bananas if you want you know the, the, the possibilities are quite not quite endless but uh, there's lots of variants there whether they taste good or not is a completely different story um, however in some cases you might not be starting with these complex carbohydrates. You might be starting with something as simple as table sugar. You might be starting with something like molasses, which is a, a, a byproduct of white sugar production. Um, you might know it's treacle in the UK. You know, you put it on your food. It's quite sweet and dark, and that's what you'd probably use to make rum. You might use fruit which is full of simple sugars. So uh, brandy using grapes, you know, lots of simple sugars in there. So your, your starting point, your starting material will depend how much processing you've got to do. But the point to remember is that the input, at the very start of this whole process, the input is sugar or carbohydrates in one form or another. You may need to break those down, you may not. You feed those sugars to yeast. Yeast produce alcohol and when we do this, when we apply the yeast, so we have a mixture of basically sugar and water in one form or another, the yeast are going to metabolize those sugars into ethanol, um, and that produces what we call the wash. Depending on what you're making, sometimes we call this different things. Uh, it might be called the beer, it might be called um, the wine, it might be called the mash. Generally speaking though, if you use the term wash, people know what you're talking about and it's quite universal. So in this I'm going to use the term wash. So the, the wash is a fermented liquid, normally of around 8 to 10%. Uh, 
sometimes up to 12. You might be wondering well, why 8 to 12? There are yeasts that exist that can go a lot higher and if you've ever made wines you might have done things up to 14 or 16 or 18 percent and there's some yeast that can go above 20. The reason we tend to stick to this sort of 8 to 12 range is simply because you need this balance. So the higher alcohol you go to with the wash, the more stressed the yeast get. Stress yeast give off by, lots of byproducts and off flavors that are going to carry over into your spirit. So you, if you stress the yeast um, and you produce more of these off flavors, it means your product is probably going to taste bad and if you don't want it to taste bad you need to remove it later down the line and the easiest way to remove something is not to put it in in the first place so that's why we don't go higher than about 10 to 12 percent generally speaking well you might say well why not go lower than eight you can go lower than eight and people do um, the only problem with going lower than eight is that it makes your life harder because for every hundred liters of liquid if you only want you know four percent of it you've got to boil you know you've got to do a lot more work to extract it you're going to be doing more distillations you're going to be handling a larger volume of liquid so from our point of view to make our life easier to use less energy and less work and less effort and need less storage we want it to be as strong as possible but the yeast have other ideas they get upset if we go as strong as possible so we have to meet in the middle and that's where we get 8 to 12 percent that was quite a long tangent I'm afraid um, so we have a wash and it's 8 to 12 percent now this wash has lots of flavor in it from the original ingredients so yeah it might taste of grain it might you know in, whis in the case of whiskey it tastes quite a bit like beer you know in the case of brandy it tastes quite a lot like wine it also has all sorts of stuff so it, it'll be colored it will have some proteins in it like carbohydrates and things like that what we now do is we distill it for the first time this is called a stripping run so we load our wash into the still and we apply heat now distillation as I said it's a separation process we separate the volatile from the non-volatile. Volatile just means the boiling point. So the lower the boiling point, the more volatile it is. Alcohol is more volatile than water. So when you mix the two together and you boil it, the alcohol evaporates off first. This happens when you cook with alcohol. You know, you, you put it in there and the actually, you know, you cook with wine and the alcohol itself actually evaporates off and you're just left with the flavor left over. Uh, we're kind of doing the opposite of that. So we want to collect that vapor when it boils off. So you know that if you put a lid on a saucepan, you end up with condensation on the inside. That's all we're doing. We're we're turning, we're, we're condensing that vapor back into a liquid by giving it a cool surface. So what we off there's various types of condensers, but they all revolve around having a pipe that's water cooled. So we run cool water over the pipe to make the surface, the inside surface of the metal, cold. And when the vapor touches it, it cools down and turns back to a liquid. And then we collect the liquid, and the liquid we collect has more alcohol than the liquid that's still in the pot. That's the basic principle.
and that's what we do. So we load our steel and we heat it up, and most of the alcohol evaporates off, and most of the uh, and what's left behind is mostly free of alcohol. I'll talk about why you can't remove all of the alcohol. You, you know why you can't just collect 100% alcohol. It doesn't quite work that way, um, and I'll explain that in a little bit. But what we do, so when we do a stripping run, we do this process and we end up with a distillate. Now the distillate is the name we give to what we collect from a distillation. And the distillate in this case is known as the low wine. So when we distill a wash, we collect low wines. These low wines we normally get to around about 30% in the case of these self-flavored spirits. You can go, if you distill more, you end up with a lower strength because you, distil, you the longer you, you push a distillation, you collect a larger amount of water to alcohol. You want to try to get as much of it out as you can, but you also don't want to collect unpleasant flavours and you don't want to put more work into it than you have to. You know, It gets harder to distill. The, the lower the strength, so towards the end of the distillation, you're having to put more energy to boil it. So we tend to stop at a certain point and that tends to work out around about when the low wines are equal to around about 30% ABV total. Um, so we've, we've taken this, this wash which was coloured and it's got proteins and carbohydrates and lots of flavour components and alcohol and we've literally distilled it down, we've condensed it down to a smaller volume of liquid, it's got no colour it's got no proteins, it's got no carbohydrates. It does have quite a lot of the flavour because a lot of the flavour comes from alcohol, alcohol byproducts or you know things that carry over with the water. Now on a home scale you'll probably end up doing several of these so you several times you'll probably create a wash, distill it, collect low wines until you have enough low wines to do the second distillation which is a spirit run. On a larger scale generally you have matched pairs of stills so you'll have a spirit still and a stripping still and the stripping still will be bigger than a spirit still. In our case we don't do it that way normally. Normally most people have one still. So once we've collected enough of these low wines we can do a spirit run. Now a spirit run gets a little bit more complicated because we start off with our 30% material and we put the 30% material on the still. We apply heat and the principles are exactly the same. We're evaporating off the most volatile stuff, collecting it, and that becomes a product. However, there are lots of different types of alcohols and there's lots of different flavours in our low wines, some of which we don't want. The important thing to remember again is that there's nothing, there's nothing in the low wines that wasn't in the wash. So we haven't created anything really along the process. Some of the flavours might have changed a bit just because of the heat, but there's nothing really new there. But nevertheless, there's lots of flavours in there we don't want. Um, so what we do is we make cuts. When we distill the spirit run, we make cuts. This means to separate out, to fraction our low wines into different fractions. Generally speaking, we collect three fractions, the heads, the hearts, and the tails. Now, you're going to have heard about four shots, 
well you may have heard about four shots four shots is a little bit ambiguous okay so generally speaking in the home distilling world four shots refer to a fourth fraction which would be the very first stuff that comes over and it contains a large concentration of methanol in the commercial distilling world especially whiskey four shots tend to refer to the heads it confuses the issue a bit I'm going to talk about heads hearts and tails and your four shots that home distillers talk about a lot are going to be part of the heads and I'm going to go into that a little bit more in a moment now your heads are your most volatile bits and as we said it contains lots of unpleasant components such as methanol such as acetaldehyde a lot of these a lot of these uh, present as solventy paint stripper it's the unpleasant flavors the sort of thing you find in cheap vodka um, you might think of nail varnish remover things like that so we don't want that so we collect that and that's a separate fraction but as we distill the if we just use methanol as an example the methanol that's in the um, that's in the pot that's in the still is going to be more volatile than the rest of it and therefore it's going to boil off first so what happens is as the distillation goes on the amount of methanol in the still goes down and very quickly that will have mostly evaporated off and once that concentration goes down and the flavor becomes better we switch to our heart cut now our heart cut is really the purest cut so a lot of the unpleasant early volatile bits have gone and what we're left with is mostly ethanol you still have a proportion of all sorts of other bits but that's what gives it its flavor so you don't want to get rid of it completely unless you're making vodka okay so so your heart cut is the clo is the purest you get really and we collect that until the alcohol starts to drop even more and the alcohol in a simple distillation will drop the entire time because we are actively removing it it's a closed system and we're removing it so the alcohol is in the pot and we're boiling it off and we're collecting it into our containers so then there's less alcohol in the system so the less alcohol there is in the system the less alcohol there is coming over so the ABV the alcohol by volume of the vapor is constantly going down as the ABV in the pot also goes down and we remove alcohol from the system and as the alcohol drops the flavors that come over change and we eventually get to a point where some of the less volatile stuff some of the least volatile stuff starts coming over in the vapor and some of these have a, again an unpleasant flavor sometimes it's because of the fact it's been boiling for a long time and you've effectively cooked your your uh, product but mostly it's these heavier less volatile components which have a kind of unpleasant flavor um, in the case of whiskey it's often described as wet dog um, so these are our tails now and the tails contain some nice flavors but you gotta be careful you don't want too much in there so we separate that out from the heart cut okay so now we've finished 
we've collected the rest of our tails and we, we continue distilling generally until the alcohol content falls to a point where it's not worth collecting anymore. So then we switch everything off and we're left with our product. Our product is split into three parts, heads, hearts and tails. It's up to you how you want to handle this because you might decide that what you want to do is collect into uh, lots and lots and lots of little jars and then decide where you're making those cuts later on or you might do it on the fly. If you're experienced with your process or you've just got a really good taste for it then you can probably do it on the fly. I suggest beginners and also to most people who aren't, you know, I don't, I don't do it on the fly most of the time, collect into little containers and judge later. So we separate, we decide what we want as our heart cup and that is what we use so we we keep that together that's our product now what do we do with the heads and the tails some people will tell you different things my advice is to not use the heads because you're going to concentrate some really unpleasant flavors and that will start to bleed over into your heart cut so my advice is to keep the heads use it to clean things use it you know put it into empty containers uh, so it doesn't go moldy as in, like, say you've washed out a bucket and you seal it up, put a little bit of heads in there, your bucket won't go moldy because of the alcohol. Um, or use it, burn it, whatever. Just, I wouldn't use it in your product. If you hear it, different things elsewhere, that's fine. Um, my advice would be not to. The tails, the tails you can generally reuse. The, the tails often have nice flavours in there. These are called co-products in distilling world because they're not going into the final product but they're not waste so we can use them for other things so normally in the case of these reuse the tails and find another use for the heads our heart cut however that's the good stuff that's what we want and we are going to use that in our product so we've and, and generally the heart cut is is by far the biggest fraction People are often often collect a little bit too much. They're a bit too conservative with their cuts. You can collect a lot of heart cut. Now the heart cut is now ready for its final stage, which is blending, aging, and maturation. Um, this will depend a lot on what you're making. But if we use whiskey as an example, whiskey you're going to want to age, generally speaking. Uh, you can have unaged whiskey, but it's not, you know, it's not the whiskey that you know. It's very sort of bready. Uh, it's quite sweet. It can be quite nice. It can be quite harsh. Depends on how well you've done everything. So, in the case of whiskey, this heart cut that you've collected is is known as new make spirit. Um, but we'll just refer it as the as the heart cut. That's a general term. So we take our heart cuts and if we're going to barrel age it, generally what we do is we actually dilute it down a little bit because what you've collected will probably be around 70, 80, maybe even a little higher percent. So you don't want to drink that. And if you put that high strength stuff into a barrel, it extracts really nasty flavors. So for whiskey, often we, we normally put put it in the barrel between 60 and 65 percent 
that's where you extract some of the nicer flavors for whiskey. For rum, you might go even less. Um, th but this is get now getting specific. So in the case of barrel spirits, this is where it now gets diluted down to barrel strength and put in the barrel. And there it'll age for a length of time, and that depends a lot on a lot of things. It depends on what flavor profile you want. It depends on what sort of barrels you're using or you know, oak chips. Um, depends on temperature, aeration. Depends on legality. Um, it, it, in the case of whiskey in the UK, it needs to be aged for three years if you want to call it whiskey. Obviously, if you're doing this at home, that doesn't matter, but you know, as a matter of course, all things there will be aged for two years. I think in Austra uh, three years. I think in Australia it's two years, um, and these are good guidelines to use yourself. Um, but generally speaking, if you make a if you make a careful product, you should have a palatable spirit in much less time. Rum needs less time. Um, some spirits don't need any time at all, and. So after aging, if you age your product, you'll then dilute it. So you again, it's just adding water, and we'll be going over this in detail later on how you calculate it. It's quite easy. Uh, you're adding water to bring it down to drinking strength, which you know, typically you'd say 40%. But you can go higher, you can go lower, um, and then it's just a case of putting it in your bottle. So that's that's the process as a whole and probably in a little bit more detail than I planned. <laughs> I'm going to talk quickly about um, neutral spirits. Now, bec mostly because you will have heard a lot of these terms and I want to just get them out of the way so we know what's what. So, neutral spirits are produced from just about anything because we actually strip out the flavor altogether of the original ingredients. Some will say you can taste, you know, in some vodkas you can taste where it comes from. Sometimes you can, but the goal is to produce a neutral spirit. This is done on a commercially done in very very large continuous column stills, but can be done at home using reflux stills. You can also use reflux stills to produce a whiskey or a rum or a brandy of a lighter nature. Refluxing, in essence, is basically putting lots of stills on top of each other. And that's not physically what you do, you use columns. Um, and these columns contain plates or packing. Uh, and these plates and packing allow inter interaction. So what happens is your vapor from the pot. If we if we use a batch a batch distillation example, so you've got your spirit in the pot and you boil it. Vapor comes up. So let's say the alcohol in the pot was at you know eight percent. So your vapor might be coming off at 40-50 percent. Um, so that will come off and it will condense on the first plate. It will sit on the first plate. The vapour still coming up from the still is going to come up to that plate and the liquid on that plate and it will be heated by the vapour coming up. So rather than being heated by you know 
heating elements or a gas burner or a fire the next plate is being heated by the vapor coming up hot vapor coming up so as it condenses it releases heat and boils it which goes up to the next plate and now you're doing your equivalent of your second distillation so you're distilling you know if it was 60% maybe it's going up to 70 or 80% and you get basically diminishing returns so so that you, you continue that up lots and lots of plates and you have generally speaking a condenser at the top uh, that's that's condensing um, liquid but it's not you're not collecting it you're dropping it back down the column and it's cooling um, so it allows liquid to sit on each plate it's a bit hard to explain without a diagram but basically the way to think about it at this stage is lots of little stills on top of each other so you're purifying the product more and more and more and more um, you're removing a lot of the flavor components so what you end up with is as close to pure ethanol as possible uh, there's lots of different uh, it gets confusing when you look at all the different types of still and it's why it's hard to talk about because there's lots of different designs um, and we will talk about reflux most definitely but you know I really don't want to go into it too much now so all we have to think of for now refluxing is a way of doing more distillation in one run okay so whereas in the system we described earlier with each run you're doing one distillation in effect with reflux you're performing multiple distillations in one run and if that appeals to you well stay tuned because we'll probably be talking about it now the result of that is a higher strength spirit so the strength we actually collect the spirit at says a lot about the character of it so if you collect a spirit at 96% ABV it's going to be pretty much free of flavor altogether um, if you're collecting a spirit at 90% it's going to have some flavor if you're collecting at 80 it's going to have more flavor 70 even more 60 more than that if you're going below 60 you're going to get more flavor but it's going to be unpleasant flavors so with when you when you create a neutral spirit because you're getting much closer to pure ethanol the spirit's going to stay smoother straight off the bat so they often don't need aging the goal when distilling self-flavored spirits like whiskey the goal is not to create a as close to pure ethanol as possible because you lose the flavor um, the flavor components and things that taste unpleasant when they come off the still will evolve over time and become really interesting complex nice flavors but they taste bad to begin with so it's a bit of a trade-off so that's that's I hope uh, a decent overview of what we do when we distill and I suggest now you look at some diagrams of the process there will be some available which um, hopefully now it will make more sense to you what is going on in this process in the next episode I'm going to talk about some common myths now we mentioned quite a few of them in this episode and in the next episode we're going to uh, deal with them in more detail and give some explanation which will hopefully shed a bit more light on distillation
Thanks very much for listening. Um, if you have any feedback, please let me know. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Happy distilling.